You can shut it off. There we go. All right. Well, I thought I downloaded the subtitled version. Apparently, I did not. But you have now seen that uh, the hidden part of my personality, I love foreign films. Nikki, Nikki's probably the only one who laughed, honestly, uh, th- through this whole thing. But, well, Luba's here. She probably laughed, too. So, uh, but, uh, all right, if you're a kid, Mo, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Any, uh, I've been instructed that if fire's involved in any illustrations, I need to let the children out of the room before I start talking about it after our Christmas Eve, Christmas Adam service. But uh, if you're in Kidmo, you can head on out. Now, usually we try to use our videos, then we introduce a sermon to kind of set up what we're talking about. Instead, I'm going to come back and talk about this a little bit later, although it was pretty epic all on its own. Um, If you had the subtitles, you would have enjoyed it even more. Uh, But uh, that was 30,000 sparklers. And uh, if you're like me, I I watch videos like that, and I start doing math in my head. Uh, 30,000 sparklers, let's see if there's 20 sparklers in a pack, and that, that would be 1,500 packs of sparklers, and how much does a pack of sparklers cost? You know, how can we make this happen? So anyways, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. We're glad you're here uh, with us today, and uh, we're glad that you took your time to come out. Did anybody notice that it was flurrying this morning? Yes, uh, we officially have snow in the forecast a week from Tuesday. That means I'm shut down for a week and a half. There's, I'm not going to be productive at anything while I'm waiting for the snow to get here. Uh, but we are uh, excited uh, that winter weather has finally arrived. Uh, we had a uh, good fall and summer that extended, it seems like, into January. Uh, but we're glad that winter's here. So I want to give you a little bit of an update before I get started on our, our, our second part of our, our Burn Brightly series and uh, I just, again, am still so overwhelmed by your generosity over our Christmas giving project. And uh, I just want to let you know that this week we uh, got some feedback. Uh, if you'll remember, one of the projects that were part of our overall giving project was a family in Red Bank to help them with their Christmas. And uh, it was a family that was just struggling to get by, struggling to have basic needs met. So they, they uh, gave us a little bit of an update. It said, um, this is from the school. He said, I wanted to let you know uh, that they stopped by my office just now and uh, said that this was the best Christmas they have ever had. She could not believe how much stuff they got. Went on about how much uh, the clothes cost, how she had never had clothes that expensive. Said that her brother had been saving money for the particular toy that had been given and was amazed when he got it. I just wanted to let you know that your church really made her family's holiday great. Thank you. So you can just know that in your generosity and giving to others, you just never know what it means to people. Uh, So thank you for that. And uh, just thank you for for being generous in many ways, generous in, in care, generous in kindness to others, generous in accepting people, no matter who they are, generous in financial gifts. Uh, It's just wonderful. And as I shared, we are also still progressing with a great project because you gave over and above uh, what we were trying to to take care of that um, we are moving forward with this mobile seminary that's going to be on the ground in a very hot place in the world right now, a place that we're not even supposed to talk about. So um, just know that that is still in the works and we're still moving for that. And as we can give updates for that, we will. So just thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, All right. 
So I challenged you last week, and I asked you, will your 2016 look like your 2015? And a couple of weeks ago, I did a blog, and in the opening question of the blog was, at this point, next year, as you look back on the year that for us is ahead of us, as you look back on the year, will it be any different than the year before? Will it be great? Will it be just another year? Will it be disappointing? What will your life look like in one year? Now, we know that God has called us as his people to burn brightly in the world. Now, a lot of us, what I also know, is that we struggle with burn out, not burning bright. Or maybe there was a time in your life that you were really burning well. I mean, things were going well. You were excited and people wanted to be around you. And you just, you, you not only felt inspired, you felt inspiring. I mean, life was good. And then something happened along the way. You got a little more tired and a little more worn out and a little more discouraged and maybe a little more depressed or maybe a lot more. And you began to feel what many of us have experienced in life. And that is that we're just burned out. We need a break. I need to get away. I just need some me time. I just need to stop all this stuff. But we get caught in a cycle that we can't stop. Last week we looked at Matthew chapter 5. And this is how uh, he describes, this is how Jesus describes the way that we ourselves are supposed to live. And the kind of influence we should have in the world. It says, you are the light of the world, a city... On a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Now, I don't know about you. There are few mornings that I wake up feeling like I am a city on a hill. There are few mornings I get up and I'm like, people are going to be watching me today. They are going to be jealous of this today. I'll be honest, I don't wake up feeling that way. Does anybody? See, I just, that was a test. So you, okay, so we got one. That was a test. Um, I'm tempted to have you come up here and share your awesomeness with us, is what I'm tempted to do. All right, we'll do that another time. We all want to burn brightly. And for... Each of us, maybe, maybe the idea of burning brightly looks different. We all want to wake up and we want to look forward to the day, right? We all want to feel like our lives make sense. They have a purpose. We all want to feel like this is leading somewhere. We, we want to feel like things are going to get better, not get worse. We, we want to feel like there is a place for us to go. And we want to feel like that, that life is good. For some of us... Life burning brightly means that I feel great about my life and about what it holds in the days ahead. And for some of us, that is just not how it feels. We're not excited about our lives ahead. In fact, many of us may look back and think about all the regrets and all the decisions we made. And we just wish we had a second chance at those decisions. But you were meant to burn brightly. There's a sense... For those that we believe have 
have kind of attained this burning brightly life? That they have an opportunity to live it up? The feeling that they've made it? I don't know about you, but I'm 43. I'm still figuring out what it looks like to make it. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Now, I know some people who think we've made it. I mean, we've arrived. I know some people who look at us and wonder if we'll ever grow up. (laughs) But what does it look like to really make it? For some, it means that my life is a life of leisure, of comfort, of fun, of living it up. And if that's the case, we know what the next step in life is. Buy a lottery ticket. Have you seen that the lotto is expected this Wednesday when they release the new winning numbers to be over $1 billion? The current lottery. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you have bought tickets. $1 billion. Just let that soak in. You could go buy a $10 ticket, and if you have the right numbers, you could get... A billion dollars. Now, I think that would make my life burn brightly, right? Wouldn't it you? A billion dollars? I'm a city on a hill. I'm not a city. I mean, I'm a, nas- I'm a nation on a hill. I'm not just a city. I'm a new continent that is going to rise up and everybody's going to look. It would be awesome. You know, it's interesting. Did you know that the average lotto player will play $700 worth of lotto in any given year? I want you to think about this, because some of you are already getting on your phone seeing if you can get a lot of ticket online. You didn't know it was up to a billion dollars, and you're ready to buy your tickets right now. $700. What if you played for 10 years? $700 a year. Do the math. How much is that? Seven grand. Show me a lotto winner that at the end of 10 years isn't happy that they come out with $7,000 worth of winnings. I just put that together, $700 a year. You're more likely to get struck by lightning. You're, you're more likely to really just about have any horrendous thing you could ever possibly imagine, be visited by aliens, be zapped up, be inspected and returned with something in your head, than win this. We're in kind of in X-Files right now. X-Files is about to reboot. We're going through all 10 seasons right now. There's going to be some sci-fi references over the next few weeks. And you're just going to have to buckle in and hold on tight because my favorite show of all time. And it's rebooting. Yeah, all right. I digress. Let's get back to the topic at hand. You're more likely to do a lot of other things. Did you know that also if you're a lotto winner, a big lotto winner, a million dollars or more, you're four times more likely to get a divorce? Did you know the number of lotto winners who have committed or attempted to commit suicide because they lose it all? It's amazing. See, when we begin to think about what does it look like to burn bright, sometimes our minds go to things that really aren't all that great. We think they're going to be great. Have you ever gotten the thing you wanted and be completely disappointed by it? It happens all the time. We, we know what that feels like. We want to burn bright. We feel that we should burn bright. But one of the biggest mistakes that we make in attempting this is the belief that we have what it takes. Apart from the one who created the flame in the first place. Now that's where we're talking in this series. 
the belief that I have innate in me, just because of my innate awesomeness, the ability to burn brightly on my own. And if you believe that, then you will be chasing for the rest of your life a number of levels of success that will make you feel that you finally arrived. All the while, it will escape your grasp, even though you think it's just right at the end of your fingertips. See, many times we burn out because we are chasing the wrong things or we're chasing the things that God never wanted us to chase. You and I are still the workmanship of a God who has a design plan for your life. We read in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, which is really huge for a lot of us. If we just embrace the idea that you are God's workmanship, See, I can easily embrace I am Mark's workmanship. I am where I am because of who I am, because of what I've done. I have the ability to write my own destiny, my own future. I can look out and think of what I think are the greatest things to have. I can go get them myself. I can do that alone. A lot of us, we forget that we are God's workmanship and we believe that we are the captains of our own ship and we are in charge of our own destiny. But yet we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a design for you. God has a design for me. We have a choice to make. Are we going to pursue his design or try to make our own? And I will tell you, the more that we make our own, the more we find ourselves not burning brightly, but burning out very quickly, fizzling out. Proverbs 3, 5, as we shared last week, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. All of this points back to what is the central tenet of the Christian faith. Humility. It's not about me. I'm not capable of the things that I really want to be capable of. It doesn't rest in my hands. It rests in the designer's hands. And yet sometimes I just don't agree with the design that he has. As you enter a new year, I just want you to understand that you really do have three primary choices. Choice one is you can absolutely stay the same. I could absolutely stay the same. If you ask my wife at certain times, she'll tell you I've never changed. I mean, all her efforts, I'm still the same. You can stay the same. I'm not advocating that's a good thing. I'm just saying what's true. You can stay the same. Option number two is you can change things, but you'll change the things that don't matter. See, that's what we're working so hard in one area of our life that really doesn't affect what the core issues are that we're dealing with. So you can spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money in an area that's just not really going to matter for your life or for your future. And a lot of us will do that. There are a lot of infomercials that were ready to take your money that will change some aspect of your life that really doesn't matter. The third option is you can change something that does really matter and will make a difference in your life moving forward. Those really are your only three options. Lump every other option you can think of, it will fall in one of those three. The difference is you and I may disagree on the things that matter versus the things that don't matter. We may disagree on that, and that's fine. But one thing we can also agree on is that if the designer is right and we are his workmanship, he can have a plan that we can buy into that is the right plan. We can. 
A lot of times we struggle with that. A lot of times we struggle with, I don't know if this is what God wants or, or how do I know if this is his will. But I do know this, that you cannot burn brightly unless you are fulfilling God's design for your life. It will not happen. As much as you try and as hard as you try, if you try to do it apart from God's design, it will not lead to where you want it to go. Now, a lot of us would agree with that. A lot of us would agree that that is, okay, I, I can agree with that, but how do we get there? How do we know what that is? What are the changes that need to be made? What is good in my life? And those are honestly, if you really want to spend some time in the next few weeks, and you really want to search, where does God want me to be? Where am I that God wants me to be where, right where I am? And where are the places that I'm not? If you want to take the time to search that, you'll find that that is one of the most difficult questions you will answer. How do I know? How do I know where to go? Have you really considered what it would look like to be walking in tandem with the God who created you? What does that really look like? Now, a lot of people who are spiritual believe that faith is the key to fulfilling God's plan. I certainly am not one to say that is not true. They believe that faith is the way, and they are right. But I would also tell you that we have a lot of spiritual talk about faith that is not fleshed out in the lives that we live. Faith is easy to talk about. It's easy to read about. For some of us, it's easy to sing about. Some of us, it's not so easy to sing about. (laughs) But faith that's not fleshed out is not truly faith. Matthew Chapter 11 says, come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a grouping of verses that is so quoted by people that are struggling with faith. Because we read this saying, what God wants from me is for me to be at rest. Now, I know there are different kinds of people in the room. I am not one who does rest well. Who else does not rest well? All right. If I'm in a room and I don't have a task to do, I've told you this before, I'm shutting down. I mean, I, I have to be constantly moving. When if I walk into the room and, and something needs to be done, I, I want to be a part of doing it. I do not want to be the part of the one sitting there watching somebody else do it. I, it's, I don't know what it is. It's not some value I have because I would really like to just sit down for a while. But I just move. Not everybody has that, understand that, and that is not the purpose for everybody's life. But for many of us, we have bought into the idea that what God wants for us, that we are in his perfect plan once we feel at rest. And that is why so many people are striving so hard to do as little as possible, feeling as empty as they ever have been along the way. Because even though he says my yoke is easy, he's comparing it to the yoke of trying to live a holy life by yourself without him. He's not talking about how you spend your days in this world. There's a lot of people who are vastly protective of their free time. It always amazes me how people are like, oh, I got to have all my free time. I got to have all my rest time. And I think that is your problem. 
There's a real problem when we are seeking after rest and we believe that is what causes us to burn brightly. I've never been inspired by someone who sat around all the time. Have you? I've maybe been jealous. I'll be honest. I've maybe been jealous. But I've never been inspired. Now, what we read about in James is that faith, when it is true faith, is actually demonstrated when it becomes an active faith. I want you to think about this. If you're struggling with faith issues right now and you're waiting for God to do something, what if God has put the ball back in your court and is waiting for you to do something? James chapter 2, verse 18 says, Someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Now, this is a great debate. We can sit together and, and really, we often pit James and Paul together and uh, we try to debate, is it about grace or, or is it about works? That is really not what James is saying. What James is saying is if you have faith, you will have works. It's going to happen. You don't have to think about the works. You just start doing them because it is what happens when the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your life. You are motivated in the things that God says you should be motivated in, and that causes you to be active. If that was not the case, the apostles, the disciples, would never have gone out and done the things that they did. They just would have sat at Jesus' feet constantly. But yet they went out. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Now here's what I want to commit to you today. I want to commit to you today that your work may be the missing piece in your life. The work you do may be the missing piece in your life because God designed you to be active in his work. Now, for some of you, I know you're overworked. And you're going to have to follow me for the next three weeks for all of this to congeal into one place for you. I need to make some differentiation at this point that your job and the idea of an active faith work are the same things because sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. Now, within the room, there are lots of different people. Uh, outside of this room, there are more. I like to point out the obvious sometimes. But some of you love your jobs. You have found your calling. It is a fulfilling place for you to be. And you get up in the morning and you're just thankful. You thank God every day. Thank you for letting me do this. I love this work. For the other 99% of you, maybe it's less than that. Work is a way for you to pay your bills, which you love. Me too. You know, there are some people that want to work and they are not able. There are others who get trained to work and they go to get their first job and they find out you have to have experience in order 
to get a job in your field. Well, how do I get experience? Well, you've got to go get a job. But nobody will hire me because I don't have experience. Uh, go get experience. It's one of the most frustrating things college graduates deal with when they get out of college. The need for some kind of reference, the need for some kind of work history, and yet they've been in school trying to learn how to go do the work. There are others who want to be able to work, and they can't get work in the areas in which they've been trained. For others, you're at home taking care of children. And I honestly am constantly amazed by single parents of young children. I'm constantly amazed by single parents of young children. I I can't hardly parent with two of us, much less just one of us, which, by the way, is what this week's going to look like. If I'm a little frazzled and you reach out to me and I'm just kind of weird, it's because Deidre is in California all week. I really don't know how we're going to make it. But... But I promised Deidre that the kids would all still be alive when she got back. But she flew out early, 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 early this morning. Early this morning. So she'll be back later this week. I'll be right as rain next weekend. But the rest of this week, I'm not going to be worth much. The single parents raising kids and working amaze me. Now, this is one of the ways that I think God demonstrates his grace among people who have different life circumstances. They, they make you capable of doing things you never thought you were capable of. Now, some of you are not single parents, but you're parenting at home, and you've made the choice to parent at home, and, and you have lots of kids. And we know what that's like as well. And it can be exhausting. The kind of work I'm talking about is not the kind that requires you to punch a clock. The kind of work I'm talking about are the ways that you are trying to contribute to the world around you. Now, some of you contribute greatly at your workplace. Some of you contribute greatly once you get out of work. But the kind of work I'm talking about is not that you have to have a certain kind of job or you've got to make a certain amount of money or you know, you've got to spend a certain number of hours. The kind of work I'm talking about is when you have time to do something for others Where are you spending it? How are we contributing to the lives of other people? Because many of us want to burn bright. It's just that our focus has been so narrow, we've not considered who we're trying to burn brightly for, other than ourselves. And the idea that God just wants us to sit back and relax is not not biblical. God designs you to be active in His work. Let me read you some. Let me, i got to back some of this up because I know this is kind of against cultural trends. Genesis 2.15, from the very beginning, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Proverbs 21.25, the desire of the sluggard kills him. You want, if you need to have a, a, just a good study and a verse this week, this is a great one for lots of life's ailments. The desire of the sluggard kills him. 
In other words, I have a lot that I want, but I'm not willing to go work for it, and I'm dying because I can't have it. For his hands refuse to labor. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. For even when we were with you, we give you... We would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. That's serious. That's serious. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. That's what Paul said. See, all throughout Scripture, even though Jesus said, Hey, come to me if you're burdened and I'll give you rest. He was not talking about the ways that we spend sun up to sundown. He was talking about the spiritual battles that we fight and trying to achieve a relationship with him. But yet you and I are called to live lives that burn brightly for others. And he has said there is a value in work that matters. Now, what I know about, I don't know everybody in the room, but what I know about just about everybody I do know is is that this is really preaching to the choir. You know, there's really no way for you to fit another thing in your life, right? It's the way we often live our lives. In fact, on the rare occasion that we are able to have a night off, we we look at each other in disbelief like we did just win the billion-dollar lottery. (gasps) We don't have anything tonight? Oh, praise the Lord. You know, we just get to sit. Praise the Lord. You know, oh, this is the best day ever. Praise the Lord. You know. And many of you know how that feels. One of the quick ways to burning yourself out is to fill every waking hour with something. Now, in two weeks, I'm going to hit this hard because what some of you are missing and the reason that you're not burning brightly is because you have ignored one of the most important teachings in Scripture, and that is that you were designed with a need to rest, a Sabbath. How many of us can take a Sabbath? If you've got young children, you haven't had a Sabbath since they were born. I understand that, but... You can't just shut them in the room, turn on the noisemaker, and then, you know, ignore them for 24 hours. That can't, can't happen. But many of us, okay, some of you may have done that. That's not good. That's not what you're supposed to do. I used to tell Deidre, can I just take, you know, can I just take the, the little one and put them in the car? Because they'll sleep in the car. We can sleep in our bed. Can we just leave it? Right? <laughs> No, you can't do that, Mark. She says lots about lots of things. That's why I don't have any parenting books out there. But I know that some of you can't fit another thing in your life. What I'm talking about today may not have anything to do with you, but it sets up where we're going in a couple of weeks, which is if you don't have a Sabbath in your life, none of the work is going to matter. If you don't have a place to rest, let your soul be restored, then you'll be empty. Sometimes that's exactly what burnout is. Sometimes burnout is because we've just given, 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 and we have not let ourselves replenish. So we don't have anything else to give anymore. But sometimes it's because we're spending our time in places that does not deserve our time. Now, if you embrace what I'm saying, 
The idea that work is the intentional effort to contribute something. You can contribute something at home. You can contribute something at work. You can contribute something in your community. You can contribute within your family. There are many places you can contribute within your church. There are many places you can contribute. There's not one right place. It's not the place that you contribute. It's the idea that God has gifted me with an ability to give to others. I need to give to others. And while we often make that all about money, dollars and cents, your time is as much a resource as the number of digits in your checking account. How are you spending it? Where are you spending it? Work activates your faith. It helps to fulfill God's design for you. Acts 20, 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Where are you giving? Now, my goal is not to sap whatever little amount you have left. It's not to guilt trip you into doing more than you're already doing. That is not my goal here. But have we embraced the idea that we have something to give to others and therefore we should? That is our design. That is what God intended for us. And what if, what if burning brightly was not the escape of work, but it was the right use of it? Because a lot of us believe my burnout will be solved by not having to do anything else. And it helps for a little while, but you can get burned out of not doing anything. You can get bored real quick. Where we choose to work matters as much as the ethic that we put into it. Where we spend our time and our resources, you are given a vast array of resources. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given on top of that a supernatural ability to affect change in the world through the Holy Spirit with a spiritual gift. You've given a vast amount of resources in which to contribute and to burn brightly. I want you to consider what does it look like for your life to burn brightly in the world? Where would God say that person is burning brightly? What would it look like? Where we choose to work matters as much as the ethic that we put into it. In other words, you can work really hard and be the best worker ever, and you'd be putting it in something that just doesn't matter. One of the hard things to deal in life is to figure out what those things are because sometimes they're enjoyable things. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house. See, this is where humility comes in because I don't want the Lord building the house. I want to build it. <laughs> I want to be in charge. I want to know where every dollar is going. I want to know what it looks like. I want to be the one who's saying, nope, that room goes there. I want to be the one who says that, not God. This is where humility, this is where submission comes in. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What if the things where you're spending all your time is laboring in vain? It's not that you don't have a strong work ethic. It's just you're working in a place that's not going to return where God wants it to. Those are, I mean, these are hard questions. I, be honest, these are questions Deidre and I ask all the time. We struggle through these all the time. We, are, we do not have the sacred formula for what is a good thing to spend time in and what is not. We are constantly struggling in these things. 
So let me ask you a couple of questions. One, how do you determine where your time and resources will be spent? If you're like most people, it's whatever the next urgent need is. And there's not been a whole lot of planning in there. If finances are an area that you struggle with in life, I want to encourage you to to sign up for this Financial Peace University group because it is fantastic. It's going to cost you some money, but what it's going to save you is going to be far more than the 100 bucks that cost you to take the class. And if some of you are wondering, well, they're charging money because Mark gets it to go on a vacation, all that goes to Dave Ramsey. So you're sending him on a vacation, not me. (laughs) But we've been through it. And several in this room have been through it. And I'm telling you, it's a great tool. If right now you can't even think about using your finances as a tool to help others, then this is a great place for you because it creates margin in your finances. And it's in that margin that you can choose to let your money work. It can work for your retirement. It can work for savings. It can work for college. It can work for helping those who who have little. If you don't have margin, your money can't work. (laughs) But how do you decide? How do you determine where your time and your resources are spent? It's a good question. For a lot of us, we kind of want to ignore that question because we know what the answer is and we're not really excited about it. We know it's not a good place to be, but that's where we're living. But here's a better question. How do you determine the places God wants you to invest the resources he's given you? That changes it. Because now my resources are his resources. Where does he want me to spend his resources? I don't know. At least when they were my resources, it didn't feel like the stakes were so high. How do you determine the places God wants you to invest your resources? I don't just mean money. If you boil all this down into money, you're missing the opportunity to make the time that you spend living in this world matter. You have gifts and talents. You have personalities. Some of you use incredible personalities like organization. Others use humor. You know, you, you, you are built as a person just capable of giving to others. The time to help somebody who's in need. Widow's Harvest Work Day is going to come up in February. The time to go help somebody who's nearing a play, the, the end of their life and they don't have someone else there to help them. You can go help them. Does that make God happy that I spend my time helping someone who he has said is important versus spending all that time on me? How do you determine the places God wants you to invest the resources he's given you? I will tell you that burnout is not the natural result of work, but it is overwork in the wrong places. So you can work a lot. The average person in America works well over 40 hours a week. Did you know that? For all the political wrangling, talking about all the freeloaders on the system, the average person in America works at least 47 hours per week. The average person in America works more than any other person, in, average person in any other country in the world. We work more than anybody else in the world. I'm not suggesting we're lazy. I'm suggesting we're putting our time into places that God doesn't want us to put it into. You don't get burned out just by working. You get burned out by working too much in a place that doesn't matter. What I also know is that when you embrace the notion that God's the master designer, it's the opportunity for you to work with him. But when you do that, you can be overwhelmed with the opportunities. 
See, one of the real problems for Christians in burnout is that we find too many good things to be a part of, and we just can't be a part of all of them. There's a lot that I want to be a part of, and one of the hardest things for me to do is to say no. My guess is that's probably one of the hardest things for every person in this room to do. Because once you begin and you decide, I am going to make work a part of my life, I'm going to do this, guess what? People will come out of the woodwork ready for you to work for them. How do you decide where to spend your time and where not to spend your time? It's a tough question. At this point, if you totally embrace what I'm telling you, God wants you to spend time investing, contributing to others. God wants you to spend your life burning brightly so others will be affected. If that's the way God wants you to spend your life and you fully embrace what, what I'm telling you, the next thing you have to be able to do is to do what none of us are very good at, and that is prioritizing what is most important and what is least important and sticking with what is most important. Because most of us don't make decisions based on what is most important. We make decisions based on what is most urgent and what's right in front of my face right at this very minute. But if you can break the cycle and begin to prioritize, you will find that your life is full. You will stay busy, but your life is full and you don't struggle as much with burnout. So you can suffocate your flame by being active in the wrong things. You can suffocate it. You know, in marriage, one great example in marriage is that when you're young and you're used to going out and doing lots of things and every night you've got a different date or, you know, you're big on the party scene and so you're going to a different party every night. And then you get married and it's kind of cool because the two of you can do it together. And then the first child comes along and you realize life's over. <laughs> it's ended at that point. But you're not giving up because you are not going to grow old. And so you continue on the same scene. And it ruins your marriage. And your child is growing up in a home that's broken up. Because you weren't going to give up the things. You see, you can suffocate your flame by investing in the wrong things. Whenever we... um, Whenever we go camping, I like to build a fire. If it's cold, sometimes we go camping and it's too warm and you don't. Here's the thing about building a fire. Sometimes if it's really cold, I get a little impatient. So I get all my wood, I throw it in a big pile, throw a match in. What happens when you throw a big pile of wood in a fire pit and try to light it? It's not going to burn. Some of you know this and, you know. But oftentimes it's interesting, if you ever build a fire when you go camping, you have to have margin between what is combustible in order for the air to go through and create combustion. You can have tons of good dry wood, but if it's stacked right on top of each other, it won't light. There's got to be space for it to breathe. Now, if you want a little hint, if you'll take some charcoal with you like match light, it helps a lot. Jonathan actually refers to matchlight when we go camping as our magic pebbles <laughs> because it really cuts my fire starting time in half. But if you start a fire and you lump everything together where it's so tight 
And you think, man, this is going to burn so well. And it just flames out. Spread it out. Let it breathe. You can suffocate it. If you let the activities in your life suck all the oxygen out of the room, how will you burn? If you line up one activity right after the other, how will you burn? If you wake up in the morning and you haven't stopped until you go to bed at night, where is the margin for you to burn? Some of the things that that could cause this. A job that that compromises your principles, that sucks all the oxygen out of you. Activities that benefit nobody but you will suck the life out of you. Why? Because God didn't design you that way. Relationships, whether they're marriage or friendships, are built on what you offer to others, not what they offer you. What are you willing to give? If you've got a friendship that's suffering, how can you give to that friend? If you've got a marriage that's struggling, how can you give to that marriage partner? Relationships are about what we give to others. Fake friends are the ones that they take, but they don't ever give anything in return. True friends are willing to give to you. You also need to understand that if you're going to if you're going to truly embrace what I'm telling you, then, then you're going to have to recognize you can't help everyone. You can't do it all. This is where our ability to hear where God wants us to go is so crucial because you are, you are incapable of taking care of everybody's needs that will be around you. You know what? one of the number one reasons that, that lottery winners go broke? Because people come out of the woodwork asking for their money. And they don't know how to manage it. And they struggle. And they start giving it away. And it's all gone. You can't help everybody. If you're surrounded in a community with a lot of needy people, one of the most difficult things you'll find is that you have to cut some off. Who do you cut off? How do I decide? Jesus wouldn't cut anybody off. Oh, yes, he did. Jesus constantly cut people off. How many times have you read in a story where Jesus just stopped talking, got in a boat, and went where nobody else was? How many times did he just slip away where nobody was watching so he could go away and pray? He constantly kept boundaries within his ministry because he knew his purpose here was not to meet the need of every single person that came to him. He would meet everybody's need on the cross one day, but that's not how he spent his life. You can't fix everybody. In fact, if you really want to get down to it, you can't fix anybody. It's only God who can fix them. If you spend all your time trying to fix somebody, you will create within you a faux spirituality that says, look at all this good, I'm trying to help people. But if you think that you're going to fix them, you're doing it without God's power and it's not going to work. You're just going to be done, spent And eventually you'll cut everybody off and you'll become a hermit because you don't want anybody else coming with needs. You're so burned out. You can't help everybody. You've got to be able to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Now, I would like to hand out to you a little guide on how you will know what the right and wrong things are. But there's not one. I can't give you that. 
if you'll put 15 hours in with the church, then your life will all work out. That would be nice, and somebody's saying that somewhere in some church, but that's not the way it works. It's your ability to hear from God. But guess what? If you're so busy on all the other activities that you've got going in your life, what is the chance that you have time to spend hearing from God? As a pastor, it's easy for me to go, hey, I've done my Bible study. I've got ready for a sermon. But that doesn't keep me connected with God. Are you creating that margin with him? All right, I got to finish up. I got a lot more I could say. If you want to stick around after, I'll give you another sermon. But if you want to go eat, that's fine. Here's what I do know, too. Those who consistently burn bright are consistently setting godly priorities. All right, I've got a whole bunch of one-liners here. (laughs) Let me see which one I want to share with you so they don't all just disappear. Nope. Nope. All right. Let's just do this, and we'll wrap it up. Where do you need to activate your faith? That's where I want you to leave with today. Where do you need to activate your faith? Where do you need to be active in that? What do you need to say no to in order to say yes to those things? You're going to probably have to create some room for something else. Where are you going to say no? If we get those things lined up, you will burn brightly. It does not remove the possibility of burnout. That's what we're going to talk about over these next two weeks. But it does give you a good shot. If, you'll, if you will completely embrace what I'm telling you today and then what I tell you the next two weeks, I'm telling you, God has designed us for a purpose. Next week, we're going to talk about where is, what do we do versus what does God do because the idea that I can structure my life or structure my activities to replace God's work is ludicrous. I have to work with Him. He's, there are some things only He can do, and I have to rest in his work. We'll talk about that next week. Understand that as the body of Christ, if we all do this as a community, our impact will be unparalleled. Because it's one thing to do it by yourself. It's another thing when we as a community begin to combine our efforts. Because we're a family. You know that video... Uh, uh, is a fun video, but uh, have you ever have you ever used a sparkler? They're cool, right? They sparkle. They make a little noise. Maybe one hits you on the nose. <laughs> They're cute, right? You give one to your little kid. Oh, go! Oh, he burned himself. You know. They're cute, right? Little sparklers. Let's watch the end of that clip one more time. Whenever you combine them together into one place. All individual sparklers, 30,000 of them together, working together. All right, that's good. 
I don't know what he's saying. But it was pretty cool. All that working together. You know, when we begin to truly embrace this idea of work, we're going to have to truly embrace helping each other as well. Holding each other up. Bearing each other's burdens. Helping and coming alongside. I feel a burden for this. We felt a burden to help some families in our community. But if you hadn't come alongside of us, we would not have had the impact that we had. When we work together as a unified body of Christ, not only do we share each other's burdens, but we can all burn brightly. That's what I want for us as a community. No, I've gone a little long today. I, I think this is very worthwhile stuff. And for many of you, this is where you're living your life. I, I never for a minute want to assume or to convey in any way that, I, that anyone in the room is lazy. But I myself have very little free time. I could have more free time if I did a better job of prioritizing what's most important and what's not. It's, again, another conversation Deidre and I constantly have. What do we need to get rid of? And as a pastor, I hate saying no to anything. But if I don't say no, I'll be burned up. I know some of you have just as busy of a schedule as we do. And the stakes are just as high for you. My goal is that at the end of this life, we look back and say we burned brightly. Because we were in step with God, we were activating our faith, and we were working in the places that he wants us to. I want to pray with you, and I know some of you are dealing, you're, you are active in the throes of burnout. Once you get to that place, you can feel like it is impossible to get out, and I just want you to know that Jesus' in, in, invitation to you is the same. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. He will lead you to a place of rest. For those of you who are looking and you want, you are ready, you are chomping at the bit, but you don't know where to invest your time and your resources yet. I'm going to pray that God gives you wisdom for that. For others that you've given and you've given and you're, give, you're given out, you're not ever given again. Pray that God would just soften your heart that you can see what he wants to do through you. No one can replace your place in this world. God can do great things for us when we burn brightly. Pray with me, Father. God, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for these wonderful people in the room. I thank you for all that they give to us as a church. They give to their families. So many that are giving to their neighbors and the people in their community. I thank you for the examples of a willingness to to burn brightly for you. Father, I want to lift up those today, and they're done. They're just, they have nothing more to give. They are so wore out. I pray that you would help them to experience the kind of rest that can only come from you that you would restore their soul, rejuvenate their spirit so that they can continue to burn brightly for you. Pray for those in the room and they know they need to start saying no to some things and they are scared to death to do it or they're afraid what others will think if they do. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment and where to spend their time. Father, help us as a church to burn brightly. Help us to be that city on the hill here in this community so that others can see us and that they will see the lives that we lead, and it will lead them to you. Father, help us to be your body in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.